Welcome back to Artificially Intelligent, the podcast about building an AI startup in 16 weeks of nights and weekends. My name is Jacob Anderson, and this week I'm back with Colin, my day job boss. I'm going to fill him in on the exciting news of finding a co-founder, why he wishes he had one at the start, how and why we ran our partnership alignment workshop, and some of the early market research findings that we've discovered. Some of the things we've found out are really, really interesting, really exciting. In some ways, it's going to change the tool that we're building, but if nothing else, it's going to give us a little bit more direction. Let's get into it. There's been quite a lot that's happened, actually, since the last time we recorded. Um, I, I have a co-founder. That's a big All thing. Right. I don't think okay. I've told you that yet. Yeah, <laughs> no. I know, right? Um, and we've done the um, a, good, a good bit of market research that we discussed. So we've, um, I've interviewed some people. I've um, got a decent few replies to a survey. Um, and I've probably most importantly tried, well, not most importantly, the most important was one of the interviews, I think. Um, but I've tried many of the competitors and, and alternative tools and different ways to, to do what we're trying to do. Um, and that is, that's definitely helped out a lot, but let's mm -hmm. start off with co-founder cause that's juicy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cause this is, that's one of the, it's one of the hardest things a lot of people find. Like so many people want a co-founder, uh, but can't find somebody good, uh, mm -hmm. for all sorts of reasons that we can get into, but it, it, there's like whole products around this, like co-founder networking apps and, and communities and all this kind of stuff. So how did that come yeah. about? Well, it's he's, he's someone I've known for a long time. It's my friend Ryan, sure. um, and yep. he's a developer, so he's definitely on the technical side. Yeah, um, but he has a big interest in UX and experience and um, and startups and doing his own kind of stuff. So he's been doing some freelance stuff. He's done um, a bunch of uh, sort of like almost like um, startup within a big company. UX stuff at the last yeah. So he's living in Australia at the moment. This is something I yep. should I should put in here that's that's crucial, which is challenging. Uh, but before he yeah. moved to Australia, um, he worked at uh, it was like a I don't know if it was like a hedge fund kind of place that mm -hmm. had big teams that you can get lost in. But one of the cool things that they had was they had like a UX meetup within there. So he's got actually mm -hmm. a little bit of firsthand experience working with UX and product yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So yep. um, and we know each other really well. Um, so, but I mean, like, we don't know if it's going to work out. We don't know if it's um, um, if it's going to work with him being remote. But we've sort of set out how we're going to approach it, and we're we're going to give it a go. Luckily, I have a bit of experience working with people who live in Australia, thanks to you. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, and you also have a bit of experience working with uh, friends, which is the other risky part. Yeah. Of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, on a, on my team at Alitu is Becca, who's also my friend and also a friend of Ryan. It's all getting quite incestuous quite fast. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, and it's not it's not a small thing. It's probably yeah. not something I would recommend to many people. Um, no. because it does add a lot of undue stress, but yeah. it can also be really, really, really rewarding and, and fun at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's a funny one because I... Yeah, I have a I have a pretty strict rule around it. I don't work with anyone who's a friend or a family member, uh, yeah. and it's based on <laughs> partly youthful experience. Like my uh, my family ran a family business when I was uh, when I was a kid. Uh, my parents are no longer together, and I don't think a small part of that was to do with the family business, uh, but also. Mm -hmm. 
just experience of seeing a few other people that I know like really close to me doing the same kind of thing. And I know that it works out though. Like there's family businesses that have been around for decades, if not centuries. And there's uh, like really successful startups that started with proper friends, um, like close friends beforehand. But for me, just this, the risks that I've seen, I've always, I've always counted it as a pretty strict rule. <laughs> like uh, yeah. my wife and I quite often come up with stupid ideas for things we could do together. Uh, and, um, and some of them I think could actually genuinely work, but uh, I yeah. just wouldn't do it. I just don't think for me, it's not worth the risk, but no. it's a, it's a successful recipe for, for some other people, for many people. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. So um, the second episodes um, that I put out, the one in between this and our first one. Um, yeah, sure. Well, that's something else to tell you, actually, is I'm going to be doing it weekly now. Um, yeah. It might be so like that episode, the one out in between was um, just the Zoom recording of me and Ryan talking through what our partnership might look like like figuring oh, out cool. if we do want to work on it so it was like a it was just meant to be for our reference but I actually chopped it yeah. up and got about a 25 30 minute episode out of it and it's it's cool it's proper fly on the wall stuff so yeah. yeah i know i was um, when you said that at the start it was like have i miscounted have i missed something <laughs> yeah <laughs> so actually i wanted to ask cool. you because you started yep. um you started the podcast so it was solo right yeah yeah that's right do you wish you had a co-founder? What What was your experience of doing it solo? Like, are yeah, there, what are the pros? I have many times wished I had a co-founder over the years, uh, and I've talked to people about it. Like, I've I've even explored it a few times over the years, uh, bringing people in or joining people. Like, I, it's it's hard. Like, I think starting a business is one of the hardest things you can do career-wise because there's so much variety to it. There's so much kind of so many different things you have to do. So there's the simple fact that if you have somebody else, you can at least split out the responsibilities a bit. You can get a bit more focus. Like you can say, right, this is yours and this is mine. And therefore I don't have to worry about it. And it's a very different thing from employing somebody. Like you can find great employees out there as we've uh, demonstrated with Ality, but it's, it's a different level of... <sighs> trust that's probably not it because i trust all of you guys really well but it's something around being able to just completely get it off your mind because this person is so invested in it that you know that they're putting in yeah. everything that you are there's something something around that and actually i think in many cases when co-founder relationships fall down it's because of that it's because one party is not as committed as the other yeah. which is not necessarily uncommon but i think is less common certainly than with maybe an employee relationship so yeah there's many to there's also just the the fact that there's a different uh level of honesty potentially <laughs> like i feel like i've got i've i can be very honest with um with you with uh, jenny with bran with matthew as part of the, the leadership team of alitu but there's, there's still probably things that I haven't told you that go through my head, like the the dark, deep, dark doubts, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Like there's still stuff that I wouldn't share with you for, for various reasons, which maybe I would with a co-founder, um, yeah. because it's just a, a slightly different. You're 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 as um, all in on the negative, the the bad outcomes as much as an employee can just cut and run if they want to. Let's face it. But yeah. as a co-founder, you're you're as a founder of something, you're a bit more committed than that. <laughs> so yeah, totally. yeah there's both sides of that there's the, there's the focus there's the simple help and the work but there's the kind of mental load as well being able to actually just share that 
that burden, I guess. And that's over it. That's maybe melodramatic, melodramatic in it, <laughs> melodrama <laughs> a little bit, because uh, there's so many upsides to it. Like there's so many fun parts to it and all that. But it's definitely, yeah, I, I have wished for it a few times over the years. Yeah. Something that would be quite difficult to do part, partly along the way as well, you know, because like, yeah, I think, I think you're, you're spot on. It's the commitment, right? And it's yeah. and it's um, it's been in it from the start together or from very soon on together, yeah. certainly. Yeah. Um, to bring someone in later, it's difficult because at that point it's, it's more of yeah. like a, yeah. I guess it's, I mean, it's still a business partnership, right? But it's yeah. not yeah. something about yeah. being a founder that is actually probably still different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. There's ways to bring it in. There's loads of systems around it. There's like, there's a really interesting book called uh, Slicing Pie, which is about how you set up founder relationships in terms of ownership and equity and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, like, wh- what have you done? Have you just gone, are you just 50 50 with Ryan? Yeah, 50 50. So we were um, lots of sort of, I guess con- not concerns, but like wary of the- trying to do it the right way. So we we did yeah. decide to do a sort of partnership agreement, not in like a not a sort of stuffy legal document, but we actually just yeah. started a um, like a big Figma board and stuck, oh, yeah. uh, created two Figma boards each, uh, or create one each rather, and started sticking on like what's important to you. Um, yeah. And that might be like values. It might be how we approach the product. It might be yeah, yeah. how long do we leave tech debt? It might be um, like pricing and audience and anything at all, basically. Yeah. And we just sort of yeah. like emptied the soul onto the board, brought it all <laughs> together, and then matched up pairs. So everything that we're aligned on, like um, from day one, yeah. um, we we kind of set that stuff t- till the end. Nice to look at later on, but we're aligned mm-hmm. on that stuff. Great. Mm-hmm. And then we there was one thing in particular that we didn't quite align on. And then we put that to the side as something um, to talk in a little bit more detail. And then there was some unique stuff to each of us. And we, we basically made a point of talking through all of this um, different stuff in order to get alignment from that very kind of starting place. And we we decided 50, 50 um, from the start. And if we did bring on another, like we're considering um, maybe past the point of having a demo and making that decision of do we keep going? Do we do we do we pivot? Do we do we quit it at that point? Yeah. Maybe we try and actually bring in a third partner who has mm-hmm. got a lot of experience in um, UX and design, mm-hmm. someone okay. to to own product a little bit more because at the moment we would split that responsibility. Um, that it, well, there's a bunch of stuff there. Um, mm. So. I'll come back. Come back to the roles, mm. but just initially, when you were working up that agreement, uh, do you have something in there around what if somebody wants to quit? Yeah, that was one of the things that we put in. It's, yeah. So basically, it's probably not robust enough. But essentially, the way that we were looking at it is, we don't know specifically if like this remote thing is going to work. Yeah, you know. So if if that didn't work out, Ryan would be free to walk away, and I keep working on it, and that's kind of it not very i guess not very legally binding or anything but one what we will do and put into our actual proper boring legal document is around um i don't know what the term is but essentially there should be some sort of buyout clause after a certain yeah. amount of time so say sure. if ryan did want to walk away in two or three years well yeah. you shouldn't walk away empty-handed yeah. you know a lot of a lot of a lot of work will have, will have been put in yeah um yeah. so there should be yes yeah, so there should be a reward for that but we need to yeah. i think we need to actually get that written up properly so, at some point 
A common approach to that is actually just to do the traditional vesting approach. Right, okay. So even though you're not taking funding, even though you're not, um, it's not going to go to the lawyers or anything like that, you yeah. still set up a system whereby your ownership, your 50%, you only mm. vest a, a quarter of that every year for four years, let's say, cool. or whatever you think seems reasonable. Yeah. And you can change that over time. Like if Ryan suddenly says, right, I'm only going to be able to do half the time we committed to before, maybe the vesting doubles in terms of it's only, uh, you know, an eighth every uh, every year and it takes yeah. eight years to vest the whole thing. So it makes it more clear. Um, and it usually, I think you get a, cleaner, a bit more clarity around who's going to be in within four, four years always seems like a standard one, but you can make it longer mm. if you want. If it's, I suppose if it's a part-time thing, but yeah, yeah. That, can, that can work quite well. Yeah, that's interesting. I had seen it come up, but um, didn't quite, I guess, understand it for face value. Mm. Um, so I didn't look into it too much more, but that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So it just naturally rolls out over time. Yeah. It's quite predictable. Yeah. So, yeah. so it kind of cuts down the whole buyout thing. Like you don't have to, yeah. uh, there's no money exchanges hands or anything. If he wants to walk away after two years, he owns half of his 50%, but the other 25 reverts to you essentially. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, but then Thanks. again, then again, some vesting systems—if you walk away, you get nothing. <laughs> right. Okay. So, and no, in fact, a lot of vest, a lot of vesting systems are that way. So, like, you have to actually hang around. Like, so if you're wanting employee options and stuff like that, most of the time, um, if you leave the company, your options disappear, mm. or you maybe only get a fraction of them, or something like that. So, yeah, there's loads of ways to do it, but um, I think you're right in that it's worth it's it is really worthwhile nailing that stuff down. Because that's the thing that leads yeah. to the big arguments a year, two years down the line. Yeah, yeah, and that's 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 sort of the whole, the whole sort of, um, the whole thing pushing us to make that document was how much can we get yeah. on the table beforehand? You know, yeah. so like the big disagreement we had was actually around, and this could have been a big problem later on, was around how quickly do we take money out if we make mm -hmm. some? <laughs> yeah, um, and I had um, we had both independently put it in our boards, and I had mentioned about um, not not basically not taking any out for a while and just reinvesting a hundred percent um but ryan was more keen to to take money out and pay ourselves because we're not a charity mm -hmm. and they like, had, yep. had a really good point but had we have gotten maybe like six months down the line both maybe a little bit sort of like wired and kind of like right <laughs> okay now we're finally making money this has been a lot of work yeah. this has been a lot of yeah. you know and i'm and i've got it in my head that we're gonna reinvest and and focus on advertising and growth and all these things yeah, and ryan's yeah. ready to take some money out and see the paid. actual reward and yeah <laughs> like it, it, it could have been it could have been ugly so yeah, um, i'm sure. glad that we talked about that up front and we we found we basically just met directly in the middle and agreed that actually yeah that makes sense um we'll set cool. like a an amount that will that will that will start taking any any money out but we'll reinvest yeah. certainly for the the, the short term <laughs> um yeah so yeah. what did you land on that with that out. what did we land on um yeah, i think yeah. it, like something like if, if we can make like 500 bucks we reinvest that but anything over and above um 500 bucks mrr um we would start taking out a little bit of money um each and, okay. and yeah, almost yeah. just like as a sort of um just literally just a reward you know at the end of the yeah. day we've we've started this to to make some money for there's many other yeah. reasons as well but like money is definitely can't shy away from it <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's it's ultimately why we all work and why we try and get good at things and yeah um yeah, yeah cool no that sounds yeah. sensible yeah sounds good sounds cool uh, the role stuff 
jump back to that. Um, Aye. About taking on somebody else, like a third person. Mm. What, mm. what would, why would you think UX and design at that point? Well, from the sort of exploration that we've done into what we want to do um, and what it looks like and what's important to us, what's kind of revealed itself as being quite important to us is creating a an experience that maybe people haven't had before. A different, mm-hmm. like looking at AI and what's available now with large language mm-hmm. models and GPT and all these cool things that we're working with, looking at mm-hmm. that and saying, this is new technology and actually we shouldn't just apply old systems to it. We shouldn't mm-hmm. just apply old interfaces to it. We want to take a fresh new approach if we can. And yep. I think between me and Ryan, we came up with some cool ideas and we already have some um, pretty novel ideas, but to have someone invested um, and um, maybe not in terms of like percentage as invested as we are, but maybe a, a minor partner that we bring in a little bit later once we've got some some revenue, someone that is is going to have a lot of sort of personal investment, a lot of focus, a lot of love for that side of it. Yeah. Essentially, I think we need you know to to do what we want to do with the with with the UX. We. Yeah, I think we probably just need to admit to ourselves that look, we're not professionals. We both, you know, we're enthusiasts. We've dabbled professionally, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. we care about it a lot. But we probably yeah. care about it enough to know that actually we're not the right people to do it, like long term, to okay. do what we want to do. Yeah, that kind of answers my question because I know that's you do a lot of like design stuff for us, and mm. um, so you could do that. Which is yeah. which is almost the more dangerous parts. <laughs> yeah. So so it kind of um, like if you were going to get a third person, it maybe would make more sense for that person to be a, a salesman or a biz dev mm. or a um, you know a finance or CFO type of person, something mm. like that. But if the the uniqueness almost or the power, the the kind of the core selling point of this app is really all about experience. It's not even so much about the tech because that's kind of a lot of that is outsourced almost, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Although maybe you've got ideas to develop your own, to be fair. But yeah, if, that, mm-hmm. if UX is it, then maybe that, yeah, that's a weird place to concentrate for sure. Yeah. yeah well, talk cool. to me about biz dev and finance and all these things. Like, not really something I thought about. What, When and where and what role does a finance person have? It's not something <laughs> I've really thought about at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, a CFO, for example, is generally brought in at the point where a company is big enough where it actually has to start caring about um, profitability or start caring about raising funding or start caring about projections. Like as in, um, do we have, like we've got 15 people relying on this company now uh, for their living. Therefore, I kind of want to make sure that we have enough income, um, that we're sort of sorted enough that we're going to be around for at least another year, if not two, three, five, ten you know, um, so the CFO type person is a lot around kind of the strategy that is leaning toward the money side of things. Yeah. Uh, and often they're also the person that kind of uh, has gone and done an MBA or something like that as well. Or uh, so they've maybe know a lot more about the kind of business strategy side of things and know about maybe going and making those, um, you know, the partnership deals and the mm-hmm. um, strategic partnerships, that kind of stuff that actually can grow a company. But mm-hmm. then again, most startups probably don't start with one of them unless they're going mm. heavily funded right from the bat, uh, which you're yeah. not, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so, 
Yeah, I, I think I think a part of it is that a lot of startups don't start with a lot of marketing knowledge. They quite often start with just a couple of developers or a product person or something like that. Whereas yeah. because you've got the marketing side of things down, that a lot of the biz dev is actually included in that. Um, yeah, in terms Enough of to keep us running. <laughs> yeah, certainly for yeah, the first yeah, year or two years. So yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's part I, I felt I was lacking, maybe still am, to be honest, uh, in terms of the business development side of things. Like I'm just not, um, I'm not a built uh, networker at events and finding these partnerships and figuring out how the best way to leverage, a, you know, somebody that you know and get the most sort of strategic value out of them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not sure. But that, that's certainly a, a route that some startups go within their first 10 yeah. to 15 people. Yeah, well, it might, it might be something to consider later. I mean, we don't know how this is going to go. It probably could mm-hmm. easily flop week ten, but it could be. <laughs> it could not. It could. Um, it could do well. We might look for funding. You know, the only bloody yeah. DC money that's going around at the moment is for anything to do for with AI. AI. So, yeah. hey, if they're going <laughs> to offer us a few mil, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. what was that? Some random, uh, random AI app you saw the other day, which had raised what was it, thirty-five million or something. Yeah, something. It was no, it was one point. It was one point six, but it was pre-revenue. Oh, it was one point. All oh, right. Uh, yeah. Well, let's do it. that's even still even that's nuts as well. And it, yeah. and it didn't seem to have any real uniqueness. It was like just kind of using no. AI prompts to use existing tech. Was, yeah. Mm. There's a lot of. I think there's a, there's a huge bubble inside the otherwise stagnant uh, economy right now. There is definitely, yeah, there is <laughs> something that we're wary of. So one of the things that we're working on um, at the moment, kind of linked into, we will move on to uh, market research, but we've been doing a lot of thinking about branding as well. And one of the things mm-hmm. that I'm trying to uh, steer us away from is, is falling into that dot-com bubble thing. Like, let's not attach the word AI to our name in any way. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. And focus on focus on trying to solve a problem in a novel way, regardless yeah. of what the technology is behind it, you know? Yeah, um, for sure. I yeah, think that's yeah. the important thing, because there's, like, literally every day, thousands of GPT wrapper-type products. And yeah. you mentioned this earlier <laughs> on, and, I, like, in a way, yes, we will be using that same technology in there but we won't be a rapper it's not something that you'll be able to replicate um just mm-hmm. by using gpt and that's that's important that's building a moat and it's something yeah. that a lot of people aren't doing at the moment which is fair because like it there is a gold rush and mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. not make a bunch of cash and get out you know but i don't yeah, want to be some of, some of these will do fine <laughs> yeah exactly i don't want to be in a position where um the music does stop and there is just one or two big players left doing the GPT rapper thing. <laughs> um, yeah. And by GPT rapper, I just mean like, you know, reskinning a chat bot or using yeah. some simple prompts and slapping a, a, a billing system on An it. An interface on it. Yeah. 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 Like in our, our industry, the classic right now is uh, generate all of the text material around your podcast. Essentially, yeah. you put in your transcripts and it will create uh, an example, a few example titles, a few example descriptions, some social media posts, uh, a blog post, uh, and various other written elements, Which all of which you could do just by opening up ChatGPT, feeding in your transcript and saying, can you give me this? Give me that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, you're getting away for that. But you're adding expertise. You're adding like um, more than just the prompt. It's, it's yeah. all of the kind of marketing knowledge, the customer research knowledge, all of that stuff around it as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so we 
I've started talking to people who might who might use the app. I've done a couple mm. of interviews with people and yeah. had some other sort of shorter, less formal conversations. But two of these, both of these interviews were really, um, really, really helpful. I think probably the most helpful of the two was with a UX researcher, actually. Mm-hmm. So um, a lady at Codebase who does um, Codebase in Edinburgh. It's like a place to work for startups, but it's also they've got like an accelerator thing. It's cool. If you are in Scotland, you should check it out. Um, she um, spends a lot of time doing UX research, looking into why people are using products, how could we build the product differently, who are the customers, all these different kind of things. She does research with um, users of her product, but she does more broader market research as well. Um, and it, she was like <laughs> surprisingly... Uh, excited about what we were doing. So I had it in my head that what we were doing was going to be something mostly useful for founders, for inexperienced people to skip the technical part of it. But actually, it sounds like there's a real pain. We need to do further research, of course, but it sounds like there's a real pain actually amongst like the, the professionals themselves as well around having to manually do thematic analysis, having to do all this manual tagging and read through yeah. transcripts multiple times and like that manual process that can where you you are just battling a thousand different biases, um, no matter if you're a professional or not, that that is hard work, you know. Um, and in many times these these people are asked to to do this work in really really short amounts of time with nowhere near enough budget and all the rest of it. Um, and yeah, so it was really interesting to hear that we could potentially make something that is useful for professionals as much as it is for yeah. um, for 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 the less experienced people. Cool. So that was a cool finding. Another th- another finding from smells that like, was, smells like tears to me. Smells like tears. It does. Tears. It does. You're tears. right. Pricing tears, not crying <laughs> tears. <laughs> it's emotional. It is. Um, <laughs> um, the other thing as well that was a little bit more focused on who we're doing this for. One of the things Haley mentioned was it's really difficult to, well, let me backtrack slightly. We will, by the sounds of it, at some point want to consider um, partnering with some company that does um, interview uh, recruitment. Mm-hmm. That's one of the one of the bigger problems that people have is finding the right recruits for it. Mostly in B2C companies though. In B2B companies, it becomes a lot easier. Um, because interview interview recruitment, as in like customers to interview to get that research done, is that what you mean? Yeah. So the, I was a bit confused by this actually, and I dug into it a little bit with her. So, um, what that means is finding people who you think are your target market, but out with of your sort of products ecosystem. Um, right. So you're okay. yeah. looking to talk to them without the the knowledge of your products and figure out yeah. what their what the pain points are what are yeah. you know so without without the context of your product like what are we trying to solve for here is this the right person do we have the sure. right product for them yeah um so that that sounds like it's a lot easier to do for for b2b it's actually not really a type of research that i've done we've we've done a lot of talking to customers but never actually trying to find people who have Other never folks. used Alitu. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's, mm-hmm. it's something, <clears throat> I'll put it in our one-to-one to talk about, but it sounds like we should have been doing sure. this. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so that was that was something that I hadn't considered at all, um, and that had like a whole new dimension to it. But basically, it sounds like if we did focus on B two B SaaS, that we could more effectively um, deliver that later on, and that that's that is fine with me because um, any more focus we can get with the people that we're trying to reach and talk to, um, all the better. And many of these, yeah. I mean, it's it's many of these founders are already making B two B products anyway. So yeah, um, yeah, that's cool. And- yeah, and classically, the year can charge a lot more too. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a small thing. B two B B two B companies tend to be a lot um, more favoured by VCs or funders because there's kind of more clear routes to finding customers. As in, you can just do direct sales if you want to. But equally, all yeah. of them work as well, like content and, um, and paid click and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's cool. Okay, yeah, okay. good focus. Yeah, a little bit more, um, and I think that's gonna that's gonna be an ongoing sort of process. So we ran a we ran a, a survey as well, and got that out to about fifteen twenty people, mm-hmm. um, or got fifteen twenty responses, and that was helpful. Um, but um, it's helpful because we got some baseline understanding of like what people are willing to pay for a product like this, what they currently pay for that kind of stuff, a little yeah. bit of. Um, message mining on like what are the pain points around it but sure. um, it's the interview uh, uh, like those two interviews that I did gave me more than 15 of <laughs> 15 surveys so surveys, more interviews yeah. I think but it'll probably be like an ongoing <laughs> thing like I'd, I'd like to speak to like one or two people a week you know yeah. it's, it's, it's well, tough because they like time and stuff like that but I think yeah. it's worth it it's a good use of my time yeah. Um, why, why were they so much more valuable? Is it just because you can you're there to dig into the answers and make sure you get more detail, more depth, clarify things? Yeah. Is that the bulk of it? Yeah, I can keep asking yeah. why, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and you can start to dig into um, like any other sort of parallel problems that they might have in their business. So, like with a survey, it, it's hard to. It's hard to get any answers other than specifically what you ask. So that the way the way yeah. that you write the question affects the answer a lot. But I feel yeah. whenever you have a sort of spoken conversation with someone, there's a lot more nuance. <laughs> um, yes. and you can if and if something isn't quite clear, you can you can just follow up. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And Is I it- mean, it's a thirty minute conversation versus hundred yeah. two hundred word response total that you might get throughout the survey. So this. Is let me just clarify that is the this part of what you part of what doing this activity like mm. researching customers like you're doing yeah. with that lady that's what she said she wants to do for her customers so you're actually yeah. doing it that she wants to get solved as well exactly yeah so this this yeah. thing that we're doing at the moment is actually I would love our our tool yeah. <laughs> to build yeah, to do yeah. it um, and there's and, so it's doubly, and there's no doubly useful. There's, yeah, there's no clear ways to to scale that just now. Like, are there feels like there must be companies that do that for you. Although, as soon as you outsource that, maybe that's where yeah. that it's not half as useful either. Yeah, well, uh, there, there's definitely companies that do it. The issue is with price. So there's yeah. full service sort of like um, user research companies that like there's one that's got a um, that's got a, an office in Edinburgh called User is it User Pilot? Oh. User Testing, sorry. Cool. Um, and they charge so they charge Haley for one particular client sixteen thousand a year. <laughs> Okay. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, and for, sorry, you go. For how many interviews would that get you? Do you think? I'm actually not totally sure. I'm not totally sure. Um, it was. It must have been a few, though. That must be a few. Yeah, it was actually startup, you say, so it's the only thing. Yeah, but you say that so sixteen thousand a year, so it's like fourteen, thirteen, fourteen hundred a month. Um, you might spend what a few days doing like ten interviews or something like that. So mm. I don't know if you get ten, maybe that's actually pretty reasonable in terms of just an hourly rate. But yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. you have to have that money in the first place to be able to do it. So yeah, this is a thing. This is a thing. Mm. So focusing on the people that can yeah. that can get in front of people. So the other interview I did um, was with a founder who has managed to get in front of customers, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Managed to maybe talk to people outside as well, outside of the customer base. But yeah. the problem is then uh, with the the analysis and try to pull out like what do we actually yeah. learn from this? You know, yeah. what do we turn this into? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was quite helpful in sort of shaping what is it exactly that founders might want and actually some of the survey data yeah. is useful for that as well but that's something i want to i want to push a little bit more but i can feel myself yeah. right now sort of actually in the shoes of maybe someone who might buy our products yeah really wanting a like uh i want i want i want a i want a story talent told for me <laughs> you know i want a, sto- yeah. a user yeah. story told for me about what are the particular pain points? What are the particular um, problems that we must focus on? Yeah. What are my emotions attached to each of these problems? And I want that to always improve. I want that to always that we, understanding. We've, we've yeah. talked about this, haven't we? Like we we did a you did a bunch of customer interviews. A lot of the team did actually, like Beck and Peter and everyone. They all did customer interviews too. And the time-consuming yeah. part was analyzing it. And it feels like that is exactly what. AI, chat GPT, whatever is built for, really being able to take mm-hmm. a ton of data, condense it down, summarize it, bring out the points. But then that's going to take a ton of prompt engineering and an experience mm-hmm. around what exactly you're looking for to sculpt that as well. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's definitely something yeah, yeah. you use. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. Um yeah. Cool. Yeah, that sounds like uh, yeah, good avenue at least. I mean, there's a there's a big pitch there. <laughs> like we would have, I think yeah. we'd have paid. How much do you think we'd have paid for that if you could have taken all of those interviews and had them just analysed for you? <laughs> I think because well, you know what the problem is. We've done the analysis, but mm-hmm. I'm not confident. I'm not fully confident in it, and I think that's why we. So our solution to that is to keep it a little bit more minimalist, right? So to leave out yeah. some of the the real details um, to, a, to a point where maybe we're leaving out too many, but yeah. I am confident in the sort of the personas, the purposes that we've created now, mm. but in its sort of raw form with full detail, less confident because there's, there's a lot of bias that can go in there. There's a lot of... Mm-hmm. Um, like what is due to the size of our sample or, yeah. you know, all of these different things, all of these things that can throw it all off. Um, so yeah. I, I think it, it's, it's worth like five, maybe six grand to a company of our size, maybe, Yeah, you know, yeah. if you can expect yeah. to make four or five times that over the, yeah. over the coming even, couple of even years. As a, 
Yeah, even as a backup, like even as a, like you say, what, what did we miss? Like, let's get this done. Yeah. Um, that would have been worth, I mean, I think that would have been a no-brainer if that was a few hundred quid to chuck in our transcripts and say, what did we miss? <laughs> um, yeah. Like, tell us some stories and we'll compare it to what, what we came out with. Um, and yeah, you're right. If it was a full one that we can be confident in so we didn't have to do anything, then maybe it is worth a thousand plus. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny one. Yeah, for like a full, full kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, the 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 actual definition of the product is still in flux, and that gives me the scaries a little bit. So, one of the things <laughs> that we uh, <laughs> we talked about at our stand up on Sunday was yeah. um, focusing on. Uh, so this week we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try and nail them down a name, something basic. Not gonna put too much yeah. work into actual branding yet. We have mm-hmm. quite a lot of ancillary stuff to branding. We know like what our values are and what we care about and all these things. But we'll pick yeah. a name. Yeah. And I think what we want to do is actually get an MVP out that is gonna be or a like a mini tool for our audience that is probably actually not gonna be an MVP for the main product which is maybe slightly counterproductive because we still don't feel like we know clearly enough what the product is. Would it it help to know that um, me and just about any other founder that I've talked talked to barely knows what their product is for the first one, two, three years? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, the word pivot is uh, cliched for a reason. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's... uh, it's very common. So yeah, you might, yeah, that sounds like a great approach though. Yeah. You're building something that helps your target audience with something yeah. uh, very small that you can get out very quickly that you can then build from and find out. Yeah. Um, I was listening to, I, I was thinking a great example um, or I heard a great example of this. Um, Brian, Brian Castle from uh, Zip Message, mm. now Clarity Flow. Um, I know quite well. And I was listening to his show the other day. Uh, they've just rebranded to Clarity Flow from Zip Message. His product started out as just a kind of asynchronous messaging tool, almost to replace something like Loom or to replace Zoom me- um, meetings. But he's just like he's a couple of years in now, <clears throat> and uh, just completely changed really the targeting of their tool because he went really general to start with, uh, create something quite. Sp- quite specific, but for quite a general audience, but then found one segment of that that it works really well for. And now he's building all sorts of specialist tools for that segment, which is essentially uh, coaches, people who use this kind of tool to to coach their clients. So he's taken a more kind of generous tool, generalist tool, and is now building the specifics around it. So that's one route, I suppose. Um, So if you're building a little tool that's kind of a general solution to something that people (laughs) <laughs> something that people in your target audience struggle with. Either that can be expanded out into something more more expansive, or even it could just be, you know, maybe maybe it is actually the the product, and you just make that even more extensive. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, uh, I I really like actually what what Brian has done with it um, with Clarity Flow. I think yeah, it's cool to see it be really specific, and I can see exactly why it's useful yeah. for them. That's cool. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it'll change. It'll change every month from now on. Oh, yeah. I mean, even like I think we've we've kind of hit on the, in the last year or so, we kind of know what Alitu is. Um, but even a, like two years ago, I'm not sure we did. Like we didn't have hosting in there at that time. We we were kind of new to the call recording space. It was kind of almost a little addition to it. 
Um, and even in the past year, I've kind of started, to, I've, we've kind of come up with a few different uh, philosophies almost. Like mm -hmm. the, you could make Alitu uh, an all-in-one that really just, it gives everyone everything they need and they don't need to go anywhere else. And in fact, we encourage mm -hmm. them not to. But the alternative philosophy is that we give them all the tools they need, but we still actually treat it as a as a, almost a hub for podcasters that can link to all the other tools so that it's almost the central hub to bringing out spokes to all the other tools that they can use. And they can use parts of ours, like they can use the hosting, they can use the recording yeah. if they want, but equally they can kind of mix and match. And ours is almost the, the central part that organizes the whole thing. So even at this point, there's still like different routes we can go down. I think still yeah, similar habits. I don't think that's ever it's never going to stop in a question. I guess yeah. is it? You know, yeah, never settle so. really. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, yeah. hundred year old business. <laughs> it's um again something I'll talk to you about in our one to one for Alitu. But there's this cool. whole uh, interesting um, concept of drops at the moment. Companies yeah. making cool little side questy products and it might be physical yeah. stuff it might be software stuff um I think <laughs> that that's definitely something kind of actually already something that we've been talking about doing it um Alter slash yeah. podcast host but um i think that's kind of where we're going to start with this so we're going to we're going to build um we're going to build a landing page analyzer which does hopefully 70 percent, 80 percent of the job that a human would um, mm -hmm. My aspiration is actually to reach out to Ollie from um, Landing Page Roasts and yeah. offer this, uh, offer a, an upsell to his through his yeah. affiliate program. Yeah. So it gives us something of value to sell that's going to be low, uh, low cost to the same audience and actually kind of a similar problem set. So it's yeah. founders yeah. who are struggling with. Um, either conversion rate or product market fit or something yeah. along those lines. Uh, but the the important thing for us is that this is actually a piece of the tool that we need to build anyway. We need to build, yeah. Yeah. Um, as part of our onboarding, we've wanted to scan um, the customer's website to get in an initial understanding of what it is that they do so that we can yeah. ask questions and fill in the picture a little bit more. So, you know, it gives us something to sell quickly. We reckon we could probably build a rough version of it in two or three weeks mm -hmm. um, and we can maybe start making money a little bit sooner than we thought we would and and most crucially building a bit of a customer base slash audience that as well that we can yeah. that we can work with like actually yeah. just work with and collaborate with to build the full product you know um, uh, yeah that's, yeah that's hugely valuable that's like the it was part of what you're talking about here like growing growing that audience that you can then market to obviously but equally you can have as partners on the journey and creating something that they actually want um, yeah. yeah yeah again not to bring it back to ours again but like that's that's how Alitu came about because mm -hmm. we created content the podcast host which taught people how to make a podcast uh, and then because of that we grew that audience that audience told us what they want that audience told us what pains they're having uh, and the biggest one that always came up was editing which is why we ended up embarking on the whole Alitu journey like making that because they told us they need this fixed <laughs> so I was like oh the 212th time that somebody's told me that maybe we should build something for this I don't really want to but but it seems like it's needed. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. Yeah. If you can create something simple, easy, uh, that starts to build that audience, provides a bit of utility. Even get have you I mean, you're talking about selling it, but is it worth giving that away for free? Yeah, well, I think we would definitely give it away for free eventually. 
But mm-hmm. I think it's, and maybe you tell me if I'm wrong on this, I think it's worth us getting our, 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 our teeth wet, as it were, and making our first internet buck through some 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 homemade sass. Um, yep, yep. And getting to know like how to, how we can set up like billing and user logins yeah. and that we're going to charge nine bucks a go. That's it, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's almost yeah. like a qualifying thing. Like if you've mm-hmm. if you've got a big enough problem, um, this spending this nine bucks will help you. Uh, it will support you to solve the problem. If yeah. you're, if what we suggest to you still doesn't work, you've got a bigger problem than nine bucks will solve. Yeah. yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, you're right. There's a, there's an argument from both sides, for sure. <clears throat> and there could even be a balance that you could do both, as in uh, yeah. kind of like our old um, how to start guide, for example. Like people would come along and they would learn how to start. They would uh, they would read our article about how to start a podcast, but then they would sign up for the email list to get the kind of in-depth details emailed to them every day for 20 days. Yeah. Um, but then they could get a printed version with a wee workbook attached, and that was only $9. So you've got the kind of wide part, which is free, uh, a wee bit more detail, which is a little commitment, and then full detail for the 9 bucks and something like that. Yeah. It probably could work quite well for, yeah. for that kind of tool. Uh, well, that yeah, I think... That could work because the way the way that we wanted to build it is so it will go it will scrape your website, it'll grab the DOM, it'll convert the DOM to Markdown, mm-hmm. and then it'll put you in a like um, Notion style Markdown editor. And mm-hmm. I was actually thinking we could make that part of it free because that's zero cost for us basically. Yeah, um, yeah. Other than you know basically zero cost. Um, and it's not, not something that I've ever found is a really easy, like, give me a way to remix my landing page on the go, you know, <laughs> yeah. just pop in yeah, a yeah. URL and yeah. convert that into Markdown that I can edit and hack away on easily and just store yeah. it in local yeah. storage or something. Um, we can make that free and then have a sort of analyze it for me, <laughs> suggest yeah. improvements kind yeah. of thing on, on top of that as a, yeah. as a paid product that might be cool yeah for sure yeah there's all sorts of possibilities there that's cool yeah all right i look forward to seeing that that's develop yeah for sure hopefully and sometime in the next few weeks i can uh i can show you yeah that'd be great <laughs> Sweet. nice we can use it on all our stuff yeah <laughs> cool well i think that is probably it mostly for for this week good bit of progress um hopefully picking a name Next episode, um, no idea what it's going to be. Actually, <laughs> it might be depends if we um, if we do make a little bit more progress on brand. I'll, I'd, I'd probably quite like to talk through that. But I was also yeah. thinking about maybe um, walking through the process of our um, partnership workshop because that went really well, and okay. it seems yep. like something that other people should should consider doing if they are going to partner up. Yeah. Just get everything yeah. out on the table. Yeah, perfect. Okay, yeah. good talk through that. Cool. Thanks, All righty, enjoy a couple of weeks. Talk to you soon. Bye. And that's a wrap for episode three. This one came out a little bit later than I'd hoped, about a week later. As it turns out, there's quite a lot of work in building a startup. So the building took priority. Episodes will keep coming out at least every two weeks, but sometimes there may be some extras. I just don't want to commit to it. Next episode, we'll be talking about branding and the proof of concept that we're building for our take on natural language UI. 
really excited about it and I think we might have found something just a little bit special. Drop me a line at hey at jacobanderson.co.uk or DM me on Twitter at itwasjacob. I really want to hear from some other people on their take on finding a co-founder versus staying solo. We think we've made the right choice and it's a bit late now, but tell me your story. Let me know what you're working on and I'll see you next episode. Bye.